Greetings, nerds. This is the Lunduk Journal. That's the weirdest way to start a show. This is the Lunduk Journal podcast for Sunday, July 31st, the year of our Lord, 2022. This is all about the news, the good news, the important news, the news that actually matters, not not what did one politician say to another politician, though that's the start of a very good joke. No, no, sir. This is about Linux and Unix and alternative operating systems and, and stuff about retro computing that's new, which is surprising that that actually happens, but it does and it's wonderful and it warms my heart on the inside. That's the news, the real news. That's what we're talking about today. Uh, We do that every, every week. So every Saturday, how this works is a schedule, right? (laughs) There's a schedule about this and it's fantastic. Every Saturday, I recap the news of the week that actually matters. And I do that all over at the Lunduke Journal, lunduke.substack.com as an, an article form. And then I get to yammer about it into a microphone uh, on Sunday. Uh, so I get to talk about it at length and kind of go into some more details and uh, opine on my various thoughts on the matter <laughs> on each individual news story every Sunday. All right, uh, before we get into that, a little bit of housekeeping, quicko housekeeping. And actually, this this housekeeping comes with a bit of, bit of a story. So uh, on Saturday morning, I'm sitting there with my laptop and uh, I, I check my email. I check my email and I, I at the very top, and this is, it is rare sometimes that I actually read all of my email. Like I, I, I get so much email every week. It is absolutely preposterous. I can't possibly get through it all. It's, it's absolutely insane. I, so I do my best. But anyway, the very top, the right at the top, there was an email uh, from someone who I had, uh, who I had talked with in years past. He'd been a fan for, for many years and we'd, we'd talked at a conference way, way in the past. And he dropped me a line and he said, Hey, Hey, Lunduke. Um, you know, I see, you know, you've got the Lunduke journal going. I've been really enjoying it. Do you offer a lifetime subscription? (laughs) And, and I, I I don't, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. So I replied with the only, only reply I could think of, which was literally why, as a matter of fact, I do. The cost is one million dollars. And I included a picture of Dr. Evil, you know, with his pinky up to his mouth and all that sort of thing. And I thought I was being funny. Anyway, so he replies back to me like, like, like one minute later. He's like, no, 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 Lunduke, that's funny. But I'm, I'm serious. Do you, do you offer a lifetime subscription? So I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I don't currently. So I went over to Locals. And for those of you who have not been part of the Lunduke Journal community, we have this little place at, at lunduke.locals.com where we all hang out and talk about nerdy stuff. And what's great about this place is not just do we talk about nerdy stuff, but whenever I have a question, like I'm like, I don't know what to do for business stuff. Business, business. What do I, oh, I don't know. What do I, I go and ask all the nerds there, right? So I, so I tell them this story and I'm like, so what do I tell this guy? And uh, a whole bunch of you jumped in and responded with, yeah, you should absolutely do that. And, and. And here's the price it should be. Everyone had their own thoughts. So long story short, we now have a lifetime subscription level. So we, there's, a, there's a monthly subscription level. And then you can get a little bit of a discount with a yearly subscription. And then there's the founding members subscription for a little bit extra, which has some extra perks to it. And then there's now the lifetime subscription level, which gets you you've lifetime subscription to both Substack and locals at the founding member level and all that sort of thing. Anyway, all the details are over at lunduk.substack.com. Click on the about link, the little tab at the, at the top, and you can get all the details there. All right. 
moving on. I I just thought it was funny because I, I, I got to make a Dr. Evil reference. Anyway, <laughs> the first news story this week. I don't know how many of you use KDE, but uh, I... I'm not a huge KDE fan currently, and that's not that I dislike KDE, um, though I have made fun of it a fair bit, but that's that's mostly undeserved. <laughs> but they do have some really cool applets, and they do have some really cool applications. Honestly, like the, the Caligra Suite. I don't know how many of you have tried the Caligra Suite, but it is a surprisingly capable and very interesting and powerful office suite that comes from the the KDE community. I highly recommend it. Just like uh, KDN Live is an amazing uh, video editor that, again, comes from the KDE community. And it's just some really great tools come out of that 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 team, that broader team of, of KDE enthusiasts. Anyway, one of them is called Latte, and it is a dock. And in part, it's kind of a Mac OS X inspired dock, you know, where it's got the icons along the bottom and you, you hover over them and it they kind of like expand with animation and swoop in and out as you, as you move your mouse around. And, but it's got a lot more features than that. Like it's very, very configurable and customizable and it's actually really performant. It's, it's, a, it's a quality little app launcher. Um, well, the lead developer of Latte Dock, his name is uh, uh, Mikhail Vurlakos. I'm sorry I'm butchering your name, my friend. I can barely speak English, so don't take it too personally. Um, <laughs> anyway, he's announced that he's not going to be maintaining the project anymore, so he's stepping down. And the reason I bring this up, Number one is to kind of put this out there into the world. If anyone likes this and they'd like to contribute to it, there is a vacancy. Uh, if you want to, you know, help this uh, this project, Katie's Latte Doc out. Uh, but also because this sort of thing happens in the open source world fairly regularly. I mean, you know, you can't be a maintainer or a primary developer of a project as a as a hobby. And have it get big and 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 popular and with lots and lots of bug reports and work to do and busy work and not eventually get burnt out on it, right? And at the very least, need to take a bit of a break. And so this sort of thing happens a bit. It's not the end of the world. Uh, sometimes, occasionally, it does spell the death of the project. Because, because let's face it, sometimes it's hard to get someone else up to speed on a project. Sometimes it's hard to find another developer who's got the skills and the interest and the time and the resources to dedicate to it. Um, and th those sorts of things happen. And it's a bummer. I'm hoping that the KDE Latte Doc will continue onward. I don't use it personally, at least not regularly, but it is quality. And so I, I hope I hope it continues on. And Mikhail, I, I hope you uh, Godspeed uh, at whatever you do next. And I hope you get some good time off um, uh, for from this sort of development. Uh, everyone needs a break every now and then. All right, the second the second news story I want to talk about, it's not so much a news story as a hobbyist project that is among the coolest looking things I have ever seen. And it's called the Perseus 9 computer. And it is a 6502 CPU. And in fact, okay, it has two 6502 processors in it which makes it cool a 40 by 7 
red LED character display. So it's not it's not a pixel display, it's a character display. Old school, right? Like an old school calculator. 40 characters by 7 characters and it's red, right? Deep red background, bright red for the characters, which makes it looks just really strikingly cool. The case is diecast. It's a diecast aluminum case. Uh, I, I'm not. I wonder how much it weighs. I hope it weighs a ton. I mean, you know, I I didn't see that in the specs. I'm sure it's in there and I missed it. But oh man, it looks cool and it it's held together by big Phillips head screws. <laughs> Seriously, you guys have got to check out the pictures of this thing. It, go 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 over to lunduke.substack.com and click on the pictures of this thing because and there's a ton of pictures over on the uh, the site for it. It is worth looking at and drooling over. It's got uh, it's got these little round keys on this custom made keyboard. It's a 48 key keyboard. And it's all wire wrapped. They've got he's got pictures of how he put it together, all the schematics for it, the back of the board where you can just see what looks to be a nest of about a thousand wires going between every chip. It is so cool looking. Oh my heavens! I mean, realistically, you look at a machine like this and you just want it, right? You want this hardcore die cast red character LED display with two 6502 processors. I mean, what? What do, you, what do you even? I don't even. I can't even, and I don't even, and I shan't even, but I shall. Uh, and this isn't something for sale, but all of his specs are there, so obviously, you know, we could, you can make it yourself should you have sufficient time and the ability to get a giant die cast aluminum case like this but it looks so amazing and it's i i hesitate to call it steampunk you know because that gets fairly overused it's got its own particular style it's kind of like a almost like a like a retro modernist like 1960s view of the future combined with a little bit of steampunkiness with a little bit of just like hardcore industrial design like oh 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 man (laughs) go check it out it's crazy beautiful you know, obviously, you're going to have to do all the software on it yourself for the most part, uh, but uh, worth it. Heavens to Betsy, worth it. I, what would I use it for? What on earth would I use it for? I don't know. And that's the whole point. I mean, sometimes when we sit down with our computers, we, it doesn't have to have a reason, you know? Sometimes we can just enjoy it for what it is and just embrace it and just dive into it and just just love it and build our own wicked, wicked, weird, die-cast dual 6502 computers. <laughs> oh, just fantastic. All right, all right, all right, all right. All right, moving back to Linux land momentarily. So uh, this is kind of a weird one. So the Fedora Project has announced that they are reclassifying one of the licenses that they've allowed for contribution in the past to the Fedora project, and that is the Creative Commons Zero license. Now, Creative Commons Zero, if you're not aware of it, it's kind of the Creative Commons version of public domain. It's basically a way of saying what I'm releasing here, whether it's code or 
pictures or or written word is in the public domain. I am just relinquishing my rights to it. No rights are being reserved whatsoever, but the Creative Commons Zero license kind of ratifies that in a little bit more of a professional framework instead of just declaring it in like in an email like this is public domain like you can say it is cc0 creative commons 0 and it is kind of no rights reserved well now the fedora project has decided they're not going to allow that for code in things that are part of the fedora project anymore right so um, uh, Richard Fontana, who is a lawyer at Red Hat and part of the Fedora community, uh, posted this about the decision. Quote, this is a fairly unusual change and may have an impact on a non-trivial number of Fedora packages. This is, this is really true. This is not clear to me right now, he says. The reason for the change... Over a long period of time, a consensus has been building in FOSS, in free and open source software, that licenses that preclude any form of patent licensing or patent forbearance cannot be considered free software. Well, that's interesting. So so the, the, the Fedora statement is that basically you can't be free software if it's public domain. Really? <laughs> okay. So so I let's just look at this just for a moment. What does the Free Software Foundation say? So the Free Software Foundation actually does recommend specifically the Creative Commons Zero license in, in some specific cases. Basically what the, the Free Software Foundation states is that if you are going to have your code be released into the public domain, a better way to go is to release it as Creative Commons Zero because it has a bit more structure to it. It's a bit more um, reliable and you can easier to reference and enforce going forward. And so the Free Software Foundation actually repeatedly in many different places recommends CC Zero, which would seem to disagree with what the Red Hat lawyer is saying about the consensus that apparently has been building in the free software community. So dig a little bit deeper. What does the open source initiative say? Well, the open source initiative says people should not use Creative Commons Zero and actually warns people against using Creative Commons Zero. They're a little bit vague on the details as to why people should not use it, but they, they very clearly state that they, they, that they recommend people not use public domain or Creative Commons Zero in licensing. Interesting. So realistically, the Open Source Initiative and the Free Software Foundation do not 100% agree on this. Now, here's something worth bearing out. The Open Source Initiative does not have the best track record of understanding either open source or free software. It's, in fact, on their website, they state repeatedly about the, the history of open source, and they get it wildly wrong. I have, I have, I have an article where I dive into this rather in depth. And the Open Source Initiative just doesn't, they don't represent the truth about the open source history, either the, the term or the definitions therein. And the open source initiative has banned 100% of the people that founded the open source initiative. So, uh, 
I'm not inclined as, as a general rule to say, okay, I'm going to go with the open source initiative on something, but I do like to keep an open mind. Um, so at best, what we're seeing here is a general disagreement within the free software community about both public domain code and Creative Commons Zero code, where some people are saying this is fine, um, but let's ratify it and make it a little bit more, or not ratify it, make it more uh, consistent and more uh, legally uh, easy to upstand and uphold and reference by having a Creative Commons Zero license to point to. Whereas other people are saying, whatever you do, don't use public domain and Creative Commons because, quote, um, it does not have uh, uh, any form of patent licensing or patent forbearance. So the issue is about patents. Interesting. I think this is going to be a topic that's going to come up uh, going forward, and I think we're going to see it from some of the other Linux distributions and big Linux and open source companies as well. Um, we'll, we'll be watching. We'll watch and see how it goes. It's, it's going to go all over the map. All right, moving on. Uh, and I'm just going to talk about this very, very briefly because uh, because that's what I'm going to do. Uh, Valve has announced that all Steam Deck pre-orders, all existing pre-orders, will ship this year. Uh, they're saying that uh, most of them will ship by Q3 and that uh, the, the rest of them will ship by Q4. So people who were expecting next year to get their, uh, their Steam Decks will be getting them a little bit early. Why do I mention this? <laughs> Because if you have been on social media following Linux YouTubers and podcasters and, and journalists and the such, uh, you will have realized that roughly 99% of all the content that they have put out over the last several months have been about the Valve Steam Deck. Now, here's the thing. I think the Valve Steam Deck is awesome looking. <laughs> It is. It's an awesome looking uh, handheld gaming platform that doubles as a portable computer and runs Arch Linux. I'm sorry, what's not to like? That said, I really don't need 99% of the coverage of everything in the Linux and open source world to be about the Valve Steam Deck. Uh, this, so th I, I'm going to mention this here because you will not be hearing much more about the Valve Steam Deck here on the Lunduke Journal. Moving on. Um, uh, ooh, 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 this one. This one's cool. So this particular story scratches so many itches for me. It's about Linux. And it's about open source, right? I love all that stuff. It's also about retro computing. And I love that stuff. The not so common desktop environment has been updated to version 2.2. Now, what is the not so common desktop environment or the NSCDE? Well, it is an attempt to recreate the look, the feel, the joy, the wonder, the workflow of the CDE desktop environment, the common desktop environment. Well, what is the common desktop environment, you say? I'm so glad you asked. Oh, if any of you had used, um, you know, HPUX workstations, some Solaris boxes, all, all manner of different uh, Unixy workstations uh, during various points in the 90s, you would have undoubtedly been exposed to the common desktop environment. And it and it's and it's very, very bizarre default color scheme. And I love it. I absolutely love it. Several years back, CDE was released as open source. And many attempts have been made to make it work a little bit better on modern Linux systems and and open BSD and free BSD systems and the like. 
And, and it works. You can get CDE, the real CDE, and run it on your Linux desktop. You can set up Debian or Arch or Gentoo if you're really feeling like hurting yourself and make it work. However, it is such an antiquated desktop environment compared to all of the other desktop environments that are currently going on on Linux desktops that it doesn't necessarily always play nice with a lot of the subsystems and components and pieces of software that you might run on a modern Linux desktop. The various uh, applets and indicators and status items and all these sorts of things don't always play all that well with CDE. Um, so, the not-so-common desktop environment is an attempt to recreate that look, that feel, as much of it as possible using modern components. And it's great. The, the developer behind this has done such an astoundingly good job of creating... It's not a 100% clone. There are... If you, if you lived... Like, I, I spent a lot of time on HPUX in a CDE desktop in the 90s. I worked at Hewlett Packard and, and HPUX was my jam for a while. And it, it's not perfect. There are little quirks here and there. Uh, there's little, little problems with theming in some applications here and there. And it's not exact. But it's so, so close. And the general overall look is pretty spot on. I'm I'm darn impressed, and the latest update to version 2.2, it refines on that. It gets it even closer. It integrates a little bit nicer with modern desktop stuff. Uh, go check it out. Uh, I've got links, again, over on the Lunduke Journal for you to check out. It's up on GitHub, and you can have a, have a crazy time with it. It's fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. Uh, all right, so that's that's the news for this week. Thank you guys for, for hanging out with me. Thank you guys for being part of this amazing community. It warms my heart to find a community of people, of nerds, who are into all the same stuff that I'm into, that are cool with hanging out and not talking about politics, not talking about, not having trolling and flame wars. We're just hanging out, having a good time, family-friendly, safe for work, right? So, like, if your four-year-old walks in when you're reading the Lunduke Journal or hanging out with the Lunduke community or listening to one of these podcasts, you don't have to pause it. You don't have to tab away. You don't have to worry about offending someone. You don't have to worry about, you know, will you get in trouble for your opinions? No, no, you won't get in trouble for your opinions. The most intense it ever gets is when we're talking about tabs or spaces or which text editor. And I'll tell you what, it more than anything gets a little jokey intense. Like we find it funny that people would fight about text editors. We, we marvel in the differences of them all. There are so many, and this, this blew my mind. This blows my mind still. After I created this community, right? So the, the lunduke.locals.com community, part of the Lunduke Journal, people started coming in and hanging out and talking about what they were working on. And repeatedly, multiple people are coming in to talk about esoteric programming languages that they love. Like fourth. <laughs> How often do you go hang out <laughs> somewhere and hear people talking about fourth? Almost never. And I tell you what, every time I see a post about fourth, I stop and I read it because it's 
it's like, wait a minute, fourth, like it catches my attention. Like it's, it's like you're walking along the side of the road and you're mind your own business. And then on the other side of the road, quickly running by is a unicorn and you, you just catch it out of the corner of your eye, but it was a unicorn and darn it. You are sure you just saw a unicorn. So you turn really fast. You're like, wait a minute, that was a unicorn. That's what it's like. People post stuff about fourth and you're like, what? I wasn't expecting fourth. Nobody posts about fourth. Well, they do in our community. And I love it. People talk about building their own processors. They talk about programming in fourth. They talk about all of it. Someone's making their own basic interpreter right now. Why? Because it brings them joy. And that's what it's all about, right? Computers should bring us that joy. And I love that people embrace that and share the parts of it that bring them that joy. So thank you. Thank you to all of you that not just are our subscribers and make it so I can keep doing what I do, but thank you for sharing all of the cool things that you do. I love reading about it. And I, I guarantee you, so many other members of the community feel the same way. So thank you. Thank you to all of you for not just being nerdy, but sharing your, your nerdy light with the world. Anyway, I uh, hope you get to have some great fun this week. Hope you have some nerdy fun this week. We got a lot of cool stuff lined up all week long. Every single day, there's new stuff at the Lunduke Journal. Uh, tomorrow, Monday, is uh, History Day. Uh, then Tuesday, we got Satire. Wednesday, we got a we got a podcast. That's an exclusive podcast on Wednesday, so just for subscribers. Uh, and then Thursday, we got another history article because you can never have too much weird, unknown, seldom talked about, rarely discussed computer history. That stuff just needs to happen more. There's so much there. We just need to keep diving deeper into the, the depths of computer history. Those catacombs need to be purged of all of their goodies. Uh, and then uh, and then Friday, next Friday is the grab bag. Uh, I, I, you know what? I'm not going to tell you what it is, but it's goofy. And uh, you're immediately going to go want to install some weird, weird things on your Linux distributions, at least in a virtual machine, because it's it's entirely goofy and entirely ridiculous. Uh, the founding members know what I'm talking about because I shared it with them over the weekend. We do a we do a little uh, a little founding member newsletter nowadays for those who are founding members. Just a little little random bubbling of my thoughts uh, gets sent to them via email. So they know, they know. But the rest of you, you'll find out on Friday. You'll love it. It's great. All right, everybody. Love you all. Hope you're having a great time. And I will see you all very, very soon.